You're listening to The Beauty Brains, where real scientists answer your beauty questions. And now, here's Randy and Perry. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to the 133rd episode of the Beauty Brain Show. I am cosmetic chemist Randy Schuler, and I am joined as always by my partner, Perry Romanowski. Hey Randy, it's good to be back. <laughs> it's good to be back. And today we're back with a couple of beauty science news stories, and then we're going to answer some questions. We're going to talk about a, uh, a magic hair treatment. We're going to explain how enzyme hair developers work or don't work. <laughs> and then we're going to talk about silicone and coconut oil and whether or not they play nicely together. Well. So we'll get to all that in a little bit, but uh, first I wanted to do, uh, to do a quick flashback to last week, I think it was. Remember we answered uh, that uh, sunscreen question that came to us from Eva. Now, that was actually posted in the notes on our show on sunscreen shaming. Remember that? That yeah. was back in episode 85. The people were oh, being yeah, yeah, yeah. shamed uh, out of using sunscreen. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. If, if you guys haven't heard that, go, go back and listen to episode 85. But, you know, it, it got me thinking that this idea of shaming is all over the place now. Have you seen that? Like, there's, there's fat shaming where people are, are shamed because of their body weight. Uh, oh, of course, of course. body shaming for, for other body image issues. Slut shaming I've seen show up in a couple of places. I've, I've heard of slut shaming, I, sure. I even saw a recent story about drink shaming where a barista at Starbucks got in trouble for writing diabetes here I come on somebody's <laughs> like super high caloric Starbucks drink. They were drink shaming oh, them. My. So, so if, oh. you're, if you're critical of someone for just about any reason, you, you're seen as shaming them, I guess. That's what this is. And it's so much easier to do these days with social media. Yeah, for, for sure, yeah. But it occurs to me that, you know, that's exactly what we do when we bash all these pseudoscientific, you know, pieces of information we see on, you know, other beauty blogs or in magazines or on plot, you know, product claims or whatever, right? I mean, we're really shaming them. Uh, well, you know, uh, we, we do criticize them, certainly. So I, I came up for a name for what we do. Oh, all really? Right. Okay. All right, you ready for this? Sure, yeah, sure. I call it bull shaming. <laughs> so if you're out there doing beauty bull, we will shame you. I'm warning you right now. I should say though that we're doing this for good, not to make no, people we, feel bad. No, we have we took an oath only to use our powers for good. <laughs> so. Exactly. We're like Spider-Man. There you go. Great responsibility is comes great yeah, power. Yeah, three like minutes into the podcast before you bring up superheroes. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move right along into our first segment, which is, as always, beauty science news. All right. Why don't I get the first story? Well, you know, Randy, it's getting tougher and tougher to be a marketer of beauty products, especially in this age of social media. Uh, it used to be that, you know, if a consumer used your product and they were unhappy about it, they might send a letter to your company or complain to the store, right? In fact, uh, we spent many a day being amused by the incoming consumer complaint letters. Right. Uh, but but nowadays, you know, you know what people do nowadays? They don't, they don't send letters. No. They... They take pictures of themselves and they post rants about it on social media. <laughs> of course. And this 
is exactly what led to like lawsuits from you know we recently talked about the EOS lip balm lawsuit right. and the Wen hair care lawsuits and and now the people who make dry shampoo are under fire oh. according to this story. It turns out a Facebook post has gone viral in which a UK consumer claims that her Batiste dry shampoo caused blisters and sores on her scalp, which eventually led to widespread hair loss. And she claims to have visited her doctor who told her that she had triangular alopecia and would need a scalp biopsy. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and she... So he told her to, you know, stop using hair products. And so she stopped using the dry shampoo. And then her blisters and sores were gone after six weeks of not using the product. Mm. So this suggested to her that it was the dry shampoo that caused it. And in fact, she wrote and she posted a picture of her hair that had fallen out. And she wrote, dry shampoo caused me to have this bald patch on my head and have a terrible scalp for ages. Mm. Now, the post was shared by over 30,000 times, and it received a lot of press, even in, you know, that's how I found yeah. it, right? And, you know, strangely, somehow the Batiste dry shampoo brand, they managed to sort of dodge the really bad press because all I saw was these articles focused on dry shampoo, right? As so th- as I fact, yes, all dry shampoos are so, kind of so the So same, they weren't right? getting called out as much as you'd expect? Exactly. In fact, the the person who had posted it, she she focused it on the dry shampoo, mm. not specifically on that brand. Okay. Now, I don't know what's going on in this particular case. You know, most likely she had a reaction to one of the ingredients in the product, or it could have been something else Unrelated. that sure. she just wasn't even yeah. thinking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the damage that stories like these can do to brands just seems incredible to me, and on some level, it seems pretty unfair right you know true this lady may have had a reaction to the product or maybe not but there are now thousands of people around the world Mm. who will be afraid to buy dry shampoo when it is perfectly fine for them right to me the moral of this story is that just because some post goes viral on social media or even gets picked up on the internet that does not mean it's a true representation of what's going to happen to you if you use some cosmetic product you know in the vast majority of cases um dry shampoo is perfectly fine for pretty much anybody now there can be some incidences like this one suggests uh but it gets undue attention, I think. You know, you should never decide on whether you're going to buy or use a product based on some scare story you see on the internet. Right. One one case in a million or whatever. I, one of the articles I read on this said it was because the sharp, you know, sharp particles of powder scratch your scalp and cause sores. But those powders are either usually starches or talc and that sort of thing. Like those are used right. in body powders for you know, decades, if not hundreds of years. So they don't really scratch your skin like that. That's probably not what's going on. No, not at all. I I bet it was probably something in the fragrance. If anything, although that that typically doesn't cause patchy hair loss, but but who knows. Uh, Right, right. I, I think the most important takeaway from the story is, why don't we shave a patch in your hair, take a picture of it, and let that go viral? Let's... That might work. First, we got to see if that uh, video of my grooming video goes viral. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for that. Uh, hey, speaking of grooming, here's a headline which I I, I never thought I would put uh, the beauty brains and Donald Trump together, but but it somehow it's happened. Uh, so here's a headline from the New York Times: Donald Trump says hairspray is quote not like it used to be. 
Uh, and this broke in the last couple of days, and I was just interviewed by the Daily Mail out of the UK oh, really? to respond nice. to uh, the Trumpsters' criticism of hairsprays. So I thought I'd, I'd just share that with you, uh, with you guys. Uh, so quickly, I'll, I'll quote the article from the Times. Basically, uh, Trump says, you know, you're not allowed to use hairspray anymore because it affects the ozone. And then he said, you know, hairspray is not like it used to be. It used to be really good. Now you put it on and it lasts like 12 minutes. So, <laughs> so it was interesting because if you look at the, the history of hairspray formulations, he's sort of got it right, but not really. So I'll give you the give our audience the hey, quick recap. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was going to say, hey, for once, he's not blatantly he's lying. Not, he, well, <laughs> he's not lying, but he's, he doesn't have it quite right either. So quickly, right, right. back until, oh, the late 70s, hairspray formulas used CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons, right? Chloro Sure. And there was found to be a link to those damaging the ozone layer. And they were yes. banned, I, I think it was 1978, somewhere right around in that age uh, area. As you know, as an aside, can you, I mean, that was a worldwide ban. Sure. It was just amazing. Can you imagine that happening nowadays? Like, we can't get anything done now. <laughs> I, I, okay, I, would, would you get off your political you high horse and let me finish the story? <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, uh, so we switched to another set of chemicals that were less reactive with the ozone layer, and those were, you know, basically solved the problems. These things are the gases in a hairspray that propels right. the product out. They have to meet a the series of propellants, the propellants yeah. right? They have to meet a series of criteria. They have to evaporate quickly. They have to be safe to breathe in. Obviously, not bad for the environment. They have to be soluble in the alcohol or whatever is used in the spray. All those things, right? So we found another set of gases that could be used. But then in the, I want to say it was late 80s, early 90s, there was some links to air pollution and smog that these gases right. were causing. And California led the charge to limit the amount of these other materials used in hairsprays. Volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, as we call them. There you go. So then the challenge became, okay, we can't use these gases, or we can't use as much of them anymore. So companies really had sort of two routes, and most hairspray companies put water in their formula and then built a system around that. Right. Now, the, that, which is a perfectly fine because water is cheap, and it obviously doesn't harm the environment when you spray it out. But the problem is, if you're trying to put together um, a hairstyle, especially one with a lot of curl or body to it, and you spray water on that, the water will instantly cause your curls to droop. Right. So I think this may be what Trump is seeing when he's talking about hairsprays not working as well. Those water-based hairsprays uh, relax the hair more than the old-school hairsprays used to do. Now. Not every company used the approach of putting water in the system. Some found a way around that. It was more expensive, but we happened to work on one of those brands. It was Tresemme. I'll say that right yeah. here. And that went on to become the number one, and it may still be, the number one hairspray in the, com uh, in the country. Yeah. So... Now, and when we say country, we're talking about in the U.S. US thank you, yes. from. Uh, I think it might have even been the number one hairspray in the world. But anyway, there are a few other brands that took that high road approach of not using water in their formulas. So maybe uh, maybe the Donald should look to one of those brands to see if he gets <laughs> uh, gets a little bit better performance. Now, just lastly on this, he's talking about the ozone layer, you know, hairspray damaging the ozone layer. That concern went out when the CFCs were banned in the 70s. That's no longer an issue at all. So that's where he's off base on this. Right. But he is right about modern hairsprays may have a performance deficit compared to what he used back in the day. Yeah, I, I would agree. What you used in the... Now, here's a question, though. I wonder if when we took out the CFCs mm -hmm. in the 70s, 
were the hairsprays of the 80s not as good as the ones in the 70s? I think they were just as good. Yeah, I would agree because I don't think the, the holding system changed. There were no uh, sacrifices in drying time. So I, I don't right. think there were any performance issues in that change. The, the big change happened in the early 90s when you had to incorporate water in there to reduce your VOC levels. If you wanted to uh, keep good margins. Again, you could take that more expensive route, but most companies right. chose not to do that. Exactly. So so the bottom line is that uh, Donald's kind of right. <laughs> Hairsprays do not work as well nowadays as they used to. Again, anything to get Donald Trump and the beauty brains on the same headline. <laughs> I love that. Hmm. All right, should we move on to our beauty questions? I like to call them cosmetic questions, but <laughs> let's get to it. All right. Hi, Randy and Perry. It's Lizzie Klein from Super Duper. I love your podcast, and I have my own question this week. I've been using the Rita Hazan Weekly Remedy Treatment for hydration and shine. I think it's a great product. My hair definitely feels great after I use it, but I'm curious to know if it's really any better than any of the other glosses out there uh, or if it's got any special secret ingredients. Thanks. Well, thanks, Lizzie, for that question. And I must say, I've never seen a product quite like this one before. It's a two-part system and involves something like 60 ingredients. <laughs> We're gonna put the uh, ingredient list for both parts in the show notes, but boy, this formulator was busy. You, huh? you know, we talk about you know kitchen chemistry. I call this formula kitchen sink chemistry because it's got so much freaking stuff in it. Yeah, everything but the kitchen sink is in it. Now, just having a lot of ingredients doesn't mean it's a better product. You know, a lot of ingredients are in there are just botanical extracts, right. and, you know, they're pretty much in there just for marketing claims and show, right? right? right. But the product is also packed with a lot of different uh, conditioning agents. Some of these are pretty standard, like behine trimonium chloride, mm -hmm. cyclopentasiloxane, guar, hydroxypropyl trimonium chloride. And then some are rather uncommon, like cysteine bis PG propyl silantriol, uh, polysilicone 15, hydrox hydrogenated ethyl hexyl olivate. By the way, uh, I think that's the best string of uh, chemical name pronunciation <laughs> you've had on the show in quite a while, so kudos to you. Uh, thank you, thank you. I, I rehearsed. <laughs> you know, by the way, the silantriol apparently helps reduce breakage when incorporated into relaxer systems. Hmm. Another unusual addition is inulin laurel carbamate, which is best known for stabilizing products with a, a high powder content. Hmm, just a strange mix of things in there. I, very interesting. It, it really is. I'd be curious to meet the cosmetic chemist who put yeah. this together. <laughs> now, the products are also formulated with a lot of emulsifiers, which seems strange to me. You don't usually see so many surfactant used to combine ingredients like this, and you know, I'm curious why the formulator took this approach. Yeah. <laughs> These ingredients may also contribute to the unusual feel of the product. Yeah, I would expect this would feel different than, than standard conditioners yeah. just because of yeah. everything that's in it. It's also interesting to note that it's a two-part system, at least it's marketed that way. You know, according to their websites, step one is supposed to treat and open the hair cuticle. Now, I doubt this is really how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, lifting the cuticles is kind of damaging. And most of these ingredients are in this step one thing. It, they're mostly surface conditioners, which are not going to penetrate. Yeah. Um, 
Now, just getting your hair wet is going to sort of swell the hair fiber and maybe open some of the cuticles, but, you know, that doesn't really have much to do with the product. Step two supposedly seals the cuticle. Um, I don't really know how they're doing that, but... If they're uh, coating, you know, just coating the surface that's sealing it to some extent, I don't know. Exactly. So the bottom line is that, you know, we don't really see anything in this product that's proven to have any extraordinary efficacy, but, you know, it's an unconventional combination of ingredients, Mm. and that could really account for, you know, why you thought it felt so different. You know, however, before anyone in the audience rushes out to try this stuff, uh, be warned, it's kind of expensive. $42 for a two 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 ounce tube, wow. so forty two ounces for four ounces of product. I don't know how many applications that is, but if you're supposed to use both steps, I mean that could only be one or two applications. Holy crap! It, it depends on how how much hair yeah, you have. Yeah. But for people with long hair, they could just see one treatment. Wow! I mean, you'd have to really love that product, I think, to want to spend that much money on it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, here's a question uh, actually that came from the Beauty Brains Forum. By the way, if you haven't joined our forum, check it out. Lots of good discussions there. This one's from Lana B. Starr, who asks, Trionics is an enzyme-based line of hair color developers that claim to be much faster and much gentler than traditional peroxide developers. I don't understand how their developer is gentler, faster, better, softer on the cuticle. So, Lana, in, uh, in her original question, She also included a quote from their website, so let me read this to you now. This is from the Trionics website. Deep within the planet's oceans live a vibrant marine ecosystem. Seaweeds and algae that secrete natural enzymes rich with minerals and antioxidants. When isolated in the right combination, they infuse hair with health, strength, and vitality. To which I respond, huh? Like... (laughs) Well, you know, all those all those mermaids down there, <laughs> fabulous they have hair. Good hair. Oh, that's good. I like that. Uh, so here's a little more detail from the FAQ section of their website, but they say that these developers gently lift the cuticle. We were just talking about that. Uh, so it enables solutions to be inserted directly into the hair shaft. They also say their developers are free of things like ammonia, dyes, sulfates, parabens, dioxane, phthalates, glutens, neurotoxin, aluminum compounds, on and on and on. So, all right. Thank God there's no gluten in there. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. it's, it's one of my favorite ploys when a company lists the things that aren't in their product that you would have never put in the product in the first place, right? Makes, <laughs> right. It's just clearly marketing to go through that. But anyway. Wait, they don't, they don't say there's no uranium in there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so Lana, this sounds like marketing hype to me. I'm not aware of any enzymes that really are useful in the hair coloring process. You know, in fact, if you read their website carefully, they never directly say the enzyme's responsible. They say, yeah, they say the enzymes infuse hair with strength, which that makes no sense scientifically, uh, uh, right? And they say their developer right. gently lifts the cuticle. They don't say the enzyme is responsible for the cuticle lifting. And I'm not aware of any enzyme that would specifically just attack that 18-MEA. You know, that's the chemical that's the glue that holds the cuticle down. There's no enzyme that just, um, you know, breaks down that glue. Um, I mean, there are keratolytic enzymes that attack the keratin protein of hair. But that would degrade or soften to the hair, or soften the hair, which is going to cause damage. So that it doesn't make sense that there's that approach. And then, you know, even if you did have the right enzyme, it's not probably not going to be stable in a high peroxide system like this one. So 
I don't know. So what's going on here? It's hard to say for sure because I could not find a full ingredient list any place. But my yeah. guess is because they're making the claim to be an ammonia-free developer, um, you know, because most hair color developers use ammonia to raise the pH, and that's sure, that's sure. what swells the cuticle. Uh, so I just think they're using something else to raise the pH, like an alkanolamid. I've even seen some use sodium hydroxide. You know, there are other ammonia-free products on the market that use this approach. So I think that's what they're doing, and then they're throwing the enzyme out as a hero ingredient, making it sound like that's doing something special. Uh, I, I really don't think that's the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't see anything in this technology that seemed breakthrough to me, and the enzyme just seemed like a claims ingredient. Yeah, so there you go. Hey, before we get to our next question, let's take a, a quick break and talk about iTunes reviews. And I'm really excited today because, you know, we've gotten about 240 ratings so far Whoa. on iTunes, which is awesome. Yeah, that uh, is. Thank you. Keep them coming, everyone. And for now, that's for ratings. Now, for actual reviews, where people have taken the time to write something about us, we're at 98. So we're just too short. So close. Too short of 100. So come on, people, please. So close. If you're listening, get in there, write us a quick review. Good or bad, we don't care. Just you know, review us with your thoughts and get uh, us. Although over we do prefer, we do prefer good. Yeah, but you can't say that. That's <laughs> oh, pandering. No, oh, sorry. Uh, Actually, we we just like any feedback. There you go. And you know the pact we made with our listeners. If they do that for us, we'll give them a quick shout out on the show. So let's do two quick ones today. I'll take the first one from Nifzilla, who says this podcast is one of my favorites, along with This American Life, Criminal, and Radio Lab. Holy crap. I can't, can you believe wow. we're compared to those shows? Those, those are real podcasts. Yeah. You know, I'll have to check out Criminal. I yeah, I don't know that one either, but I love Radiolab and American yeah. Life, too. Uh, I do, yeah. Uh, Nifzilla goes on to say the science is faultless and fascinating, always understandable by a layman. Uh, it's also funny, sometimes outright hilarious. The chemists have fabulous personalities. Even if you're not fascinated by cosmetics... They're just so fascinating that you'll find you've developed an interest. So thank you. It's an awesome yeah. review. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Well, I've got one from P. Teach. P. Teach says, this podcast will make you brainier and more beautiful. Most of what we hear about beauty products is bunk, but Perry and Randy explain it all with humor and clarity. A bonus is that they explain the scientific method. The internet can make you smarter or it can make you dumber. <laughs> Let the beauty brains make you smarter and more beautiful. Yeah. I, <laughs> well, thank you for that. I, I think that might be a new tagline. I kind of like that. Let the beauty brains make you smarter and more beautiful. It's a good line. Yeah. All right. That is. Yes. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try that out at the end. Huh? <laughs> we will. All right. Shall we get back to the last couple of questions? Let's go ahead. Yeah, you can take one. All right. Cat from Berlin asks. Something really strange happened to me today at the salon, and I'm still flabbergasted. F flabbergasted, one of my favorite words. I love that words. word, yeah. <laughs> uh, at home, I use coconut oil for the ends to combat frizziness. It's the best thing that I've ever used for my hair. And for a good reason, coconut oil is one that penetrates. Anyway, everything was fine until the hairdresser applied generous amounts of silicone-based products, mostly cyclomethicone and dimethicanol. She couldn't even comb through my lengths anymore, especially the parts that had been in contact with the coconut oil a couple of days earlier. The hairdresser couldn't even finish my cut because my hair was completely unmanageable. Do you know of any cross-reaction between coconut oil and silicone-based finishing products? She swears that 
she sees it every day. Oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I've never heard of this problem, and I can't think of any chemical explanations for what might have happened here. Mm. It, you know, the only guess I can make is that the coconut oil made the ends of the hair very hydrophobic, and so the silicone tended to deposit in larger amounts there. Mm. Maybe this overdose of the silicone made your hair feel draggy or something, but, you know, like I said, it's just a guess. I, I'm curious. I mean, she said that the hairdresser sees this all the time. Mm. I Wow, I... I have not heard of this. The, the only other thing I could think of is I, I wonder if the hairdresser used any really strongly cationic materials on her hair. Because um, if the ends were very damaged, which is how she described it, they would have a stronger negative charge. And, you know, she just says that, that the, the hairdresser used a bunch of silicone-based finishing products. So maybe there were other ingredients in there that were charged that could have um, deposited more on the ends of her hair. And maybe that, you know, was just an overdose of conditioning agent? I, I don't know. I, it's a mystery to me. Yeah, it, it just seems to me like silicone, I mean, it, it's it's the opposite of dragginess, right? It's supposed to make it more slick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen silicone, like if, if you have a big blob of dimethicone. Right, um, too much. That, that's certainly yeah. not going to be slick, right. but... Right. Uh, Boy, that's a lot to, to start to get draggy. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's a mystery. Well, if anybody else has had this problem, let us know. Maybe we can kind of figure out what the common thread here is. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, we got time for one more question. This is another audio question. I think we're, this may be a first. We've done two audio questions in a show like this, but this one comes to us from Nicole. Hi, Beauty Brains. My name's Nicole, and I'm from Pennsylvania. I love your show. I listen to it each week. You guys are really, really great. So my question today is about a specific product. It's the YSL Touche Eclat Blur Perfector. I recently purchased it and I am in love. It works so well as a primer. Uh, I never thought I'd find a primer that works this well. But at $55 for the compact, it's a bit too expensive for me to continue purchasing it. Do you know of any products on the market that are comparable to this specific compact um, that comes at a lesser price? Thanks so much for considering my question. Yeah, so I mean, let's take a look at the ingredients in the product. It's primarily a mix of silicones and hydrocarbons. Yeah. Thank God there's no coconut oil in there. Uh, the, <laughs> the main two ingredients are polymethyl sil sesquioxane and dimethicone. So I googled the ingredient list and I found a couple of products you know, that were similar, particularly one where the first two ingredients are identical and then two other ingredients are very similar. So if you can get a, a pretty reasonable match on the first you know, five ingredients or so, you, you're, you may be in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, so the product I found that I thought was the closest match is called, uh, it's from Mali Beauty. I'm not familiar with that company. But it's Mali Beauty Face Defender is the product. So uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's identical because there are a number of different silicones in there, but it's certainly close enough to merit checking it out. Uh, sure. I mean, especially if you can get your hands on a tester before you buy it to you know to to check it out and see how much you like it. Now, in terms of saving money, the uh, Yves Saint Laurent product that she asked about sells for uh, fifty-five dollars for a about of a third of an ounce. Wow. package, which if you do the math, that's $167 an ounce. Okay. Whoa. Got that? Sure. The Mali product that I'm recommending may be a good substitute 
is $40 for about a half an ounce. So that's about $87 an ounce. So just by listening to this podcast, Nicole has gotten a savings of over 50%. That's an $80 (laughs) value if she brought an entire ounce. So, (laughs) Wow, that that is amazing. That's what we do here. We make you smarter and save you money. (laughs) No, it's we make you smarter and more beautiful. Oh, right. And save you money. <laughs> we make you more. We make you rich and beautiful. I'm just going to boil it down to that. Uh, now, Nicole, of course, you may find some other options if you web search those same ingredients. And if you do, uh, if you want to send us a link to those, we'd be glad to look at them and see if we think they're, they're close enough to be worthy of trying it out. But at least you might check out that mailing product. And for people who are, you know, joining our show for like the first time, uh, this is one of the tricks that you'll learn by listening to the Beauty Brains. You know, everybody in the industry uh, has access to all the same chemicals. So when you see the name of a chemical on a cheap brand or an expensive brand, there's nothing about that expensive brand's chemical that is really different from the other one. Um, I mean, they might have different suppliers, but... They, they probably don't or they may not. Uh, and so when you see dimethicone on an Yves Saint Laurent or you see dimethicone on Suave Nivea or, or Suave, <laughs> it's the same dimethicone. Yeah, so, yeah. that's uh, a, per- a persistent myth that the more expensive brands have access to some like higher tier of you know higher quality of ingredients and, and that's just not the case. They don't. So in general, if you're looking for a replacement – Compare the first five ingredients of a product, and if they're the same, you might you might be pretty close to finding that they work the same too. Yeah, there you go. Good advice. And also, you know, you said that was uh, directed towards people listening to the show for the first time. If you yeah. are tuning in to the show for the first time, remember we require a hundred dollar deposit for you to listen to every episode. <laughs> Just a reminder. Send that via PayPal. <laughs> Does that go right into your bank? Pretty account? pretty much. <laughs> Uh, accidentally, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All right, Perry, uh, that, I think, brings us to the end of another fantabulous show. Well, excellent. Now, uh, yeah, well, excellent. <laughs> you going to argue was, with me that the show is over or what? Uh, no, no, it, it's over. Yeah, it's done with. <laughs> Are you still here? We, Go home. <laughs> did we stop doing the uh, the audiobook plugs, by the way? Do we still want people to do go to oh, audible.com? Right, audible audibletrial.com slash thebeautybrains. Okay. Um, you'll put the link in the okay. show notes. and maybe you can do another book review for us some uh, some other time. Uh, actually, uh, I've just, just this month, I've read five oh, books. Oh, well, we got or, it. Oh. I've, I've listened to five books. We need so a, yes. a whole show. If we talked less about comic book movies, we could actually maybe get to the book reviews next time. I mean, we could go into the book <laughs> review about... Uh, you know, the Waiting for Godot author, uh, Beckett, Samuel Beckett. I just read Malone Dies, but it's really weird. Oh, I thought it was uh, Bendit like Beckett. Wasn't that his biography? <laughs> and I'm thinking of somebody <laughs> no, else? That's the, right. the soccer player. All right, whatever. Ah, <laughs> uh, we better kill this Yeah, show. <laughs> all right. Let me just do our new famous uh, sign-off tagline. Until next week, everybody, remember, the beauty brains make you rich and famous or something. What was it? Uh, I think it's smart. Beauty doesn't have to be brainless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Thanks, everybody.